1: Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining is my good buddy Kevin Woodley. Kevin, what's going on, man? Not much, not much. Uh, we said
0: we were gonna follow up. When well, normally we only do this once a year, but we said we were gonna follow up the yep. preseason. Now I'm a little worried. Did you actually make notes of like how many of my predictions? Like I'm worried that we're gonna check my predictions and they're all total horse bleep.
1: I didn't do that. Okay, but good. All right, then I'm in. I think we were pretty good. And we also couched it with the whole, there's a certain level of unpredictability that both you and I acknowledge. Well, I
0: think, like, I mean, as a goalie guy, I, I sit on the fence so much, my ass hurts. So yeah. hopefully I did that
1: effectively at the beginning, so I can't get killed now. Well, okay, let's get into it. I've, I've got some notes here. I've got, like, maybe 10 situations I want to get into with you. Yep. And I think the, the natural starting point for us is um, the Sergey Bobrovsky situation, because I want to get into his numbers, but also just, like... The ripple effect it's going to have around the league, right? Because I have to admit that, and I've talked about him a bunch on this podcast. But I just—it's mind blowing to me that when you guy when you sign a goalie to a seven-year, seventy million dollar deal, and he's already in his thirties. I think everyone, I imagine, even Dale Talon and the Florida Panthers front office, probably acknowledge that it's not going to age very well in the latter couple of years, and I think everyone accepted that. I think very few people probably anticipated that the wheels would kind of go off this quickly. And now... It's a tricky, nuanced discussion to have, especially when you compare it to, for example, what the Blue Jackets are getting from the people who replaced him in net and how little they're paying for them, because they are two entirely different environments where the Panthers, once again, have this situation where they're great. I think they're the number one offensive team, actually, right now in terms of goal generation, but (laughs) they they give it right back. They're basically the Maple Leafs, whereas Columbus under John Totoro now has embraced this amazing defensive environment where it's like a goalie heaven where they're doing such a remarkable job. I was watching the game closely, actually, um, recording this Thursday afternoon. So last night, it was one of the only few games on before the All-Star break. It was Columbus versus Winnipeg. And it was mind-blowing to me watching, and I love Elvis Merzlikens. He's a- amazing story, so fun. But the job Columbus does, either blocking the shots or allowing their goalie to face up the shooter and cleanly mano a mano try to make the save is remarkable like I could count on like one hand the number of times Merzlikens actually had to like move laterally and do something reactionarily as opposed to just like read and react shots top five
0: defensive environment in the NHL yeah. in terms of expected save percentage. And a lot of these numbers is well, just going to couch this as we start. Um, I have access to ClearSight Analytics, uh, the company run by Stephen Valaket, have a password that allows me to sort of see behind the curtain a little bit and and see some of these numbers and get us a, a better sense of this. So we've talked about it before, 34 points of data for shot. To me, one of the richest, Uh, contexts that are out there. I know it's not publicly available, but one of the deeper contexts in terms of measuring shot quality. And when you add it all up for the Columbus Blue Jackets, they are a top five defensive environment uh, right up there with the Arizona Coyotes and the Dallas Stars and the New York Islanders. And so not, not surprising maybe to see then that the goaltenders behind those environments are, Hey, what do you know? All having a lot of success. Now in Columbus's case, what makes it unique is they're new to it. These are goaltenders that didn't have a rich history. Yep. And so there was a risk there. And there were bumps along the way early in the season um, where they had to trust these young kids. And I think, you know, not to go too backpat on this early, but, you know, in our first conversation, um, I get a strike because I thought Bob would be able to adjust to Florida um, I get a back pat for saying that I didn't think the goaltenders were the problem in Florida. And that's kind of borne out with how Reimer has done in Carolina. But also I, I wasn't worried about the Columbus blue jackets, yeah, in terms of their goaltending because I believe Eunice Corpusalo is like his skill set his patience we talked about it this is where the game's going lateral mobility and patience before committing down and his was exceptional Emers Lickens uh, I know the goaltending coach that's worked with him in Switzerland and helped with the transition hasn't got a lot of love publicly but helped with the transition this summer getting Elvis ready to yep. come over to the NHL and has actually been a guy that Elvis has leaned on through those first couple of months uh, conversationally and for sort of sort of mindset and peace of mind. Uh Michael Lawrence, who still works for Lugano in the Swiss League, mm-hmm. um, like he, talking to him and knowing and seeing video of him uh, in Lugano and the work ethic of, that Elvis had and the skill set, like it was all there. Just a matter of getting comfortable. For yeah. Elvis the struggle was not playing early. For Corpasalo. maybe the pressure of replacing Bob. Right. But all those things get a little easier when your environment is predictable. Yeah. And it's been a it's been a really good fit. So uh, I'm I'm not shocked. Uh, maybe the winning because I wasn't sure they'd be a good enough team to a create that environment. And that's credit to Torrance as well as guys like Seth Jones who talk about underrated and, and overlooked. Um, should probably have at least one Norris yeah. finalist on his resume already. Um, Seth Jones and and the defensive environment. I didn't know if they'd be able to score enough, but credit mm-hmm. to the coaching staff for creating the environment and then credit to the goaltenders um, for being able to thrive within it and many legacy, of course, the goaltending coach there as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. We're going to have the deepest class of unrestricted from restricted free agent goaltenders we've ever seen this summer. And, and have we learned anything? Have teams learned anything? Do you need a big ticket guy mm. because you've got a crappy defensive environment or do you spend the money on creating a better defensive environment and understanding that, yeah, yeah, you need to have, Skill, um, but you maybe don't need to have a superstar. And the other part there is Columbus. Dude, that depth chart. Yeah, It's easy to lose Bob yeah, pipeline, yeah. when you've got Corpus Allo behind him and Merce Lickens. Uh, and there's the Finnish kid. Yeah. Uh, the other Latvian that won his debut, but the Finnish kid's actually more impressive. Yeah. And then you got Daniel Tarasov, who to me might be end up being the best of the bunch. Like some of the comparisons I've heard from goalie coaches overseas on this kid, like they call him basically Pekka with a more refined technical game. He's like six 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 seven, and he's got a more refined technical game at a younger age. Like just... Ian Clark, Vancouver Canucks goaltending coach, was part of building that pipeline, and I think Columbus is going to see it pay off, not just this year, but for years to come.
1: Well, the reason why I brought up Borowski, not to belabor the point about his numbers and all that, is is that discussion that you and I have had on this show before and that people are having around the league in terms of... Everyone knows that long-term investments are a risky proposition in goalies, but even in the short term, that sort of balance or um, allocation of resources in a salary cap system of... Paying a goalie when I think so few around the league have, whether it's the raw talent or the ability to consistently outperform their environment, right? We see all the time where I guess it's easier if you're thinking, oh, we can just throw a bunch of money at one guy than changing six defensemen or whatever, or getting a complete roster buy in to completely change the way we play. But as we're seeing with Bobrovsky now, it's, it's really tough to, um, no matter how talented or gifted you are, if you're going into an environment where you're constantly facing all of these high-dangerous shots, these pa- backdoor passes, going east-west, everything from the slot, of course the save percentage is going to be low, and so i guess that's my question and so i also kind of bridge it to that ufa class and robin laner who i know you've talked to with quite a bit well let's let's first take a look at bob yeah
0: because like like you know let's let's also recognize that that environment has been bad but Um, he's been bad too he he hasn't been great he's actually but you know when you adjust it to the environment i think it's one of the i'm just doing a little math here because we don't have a negative list Um, you know, don't count backwards on this, but I'm looking at, so from starters, one, two, I'm naming Holtby, the worst Martin Jones, the next on the list, um, Craig Anderson, Jimmy Howard, maybe some surprises. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's in a bottom five environment and his performance relative to it. Is he's almost like he's just he's gotten to the point now where he's almost break even in terms of matching expected. He's point zero four below expected, according to these numbers from Clearsight, which you know puts him twenty-fifth in the league. The problem is you're not paying ten million dollars a year for twenty-fifth wow. in the league performance. Yes. So that environment I think requires a bigger adjustment than I expected, frankly. Um I I, I still like to think he could get there because When I watch him play, when I watch him practice when he was in town here and I watch the work ethic that he puts in and I look at the explosiveness, the mobility, like the skill set and the tools haven't changed. The predictability of what goes on in front of him, the softness of that defense, as skilled as they are at moving the puck and creating offense, the softness of it in front of his net and sort of battening down the hatches in the house um, has hurt him. A lot of rebounds and second chance opportunities. But there's also a comfort level, like your ability as a goaltender to read off of the environment in front of you. Even if it's a less predictable environment, you will adjust over time. And I still think, I think we all counted on Quenville as a coach yeah, being able to tighten that up. And it hasn't really happened yet. But it's trending up. Like I said, Bob's looks like he said like eighth or seventh or eighth worst environment yeah. or hardest environment among starters. When I looked at this list in late November, Dimitri, he was like he was right there with Marty Jones as one of the toughest environments in the entire league. So it is improving and his numbers compared to expected are getting better. But again, relative to a $10 million you know salary cap hit and the expectations, absolutely well, not. And- but it hasn't been the unmitigated disaster
1: no that it's at least all on him that it's been painted. I mean, it's, it's, it is in the grand scheme of things where it's year one of a $70 million deal. And if this is going to be the next seven years, right. acknowledging that he might even athletically lose some of that burst and agility, like that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. I
0: yeah. Think. And, I, and I, and I guess that's a quite like, to right. me, that's a bigger question. Well, I guess that's all question marks, but like, I, I, you know, I've seen the way he trains. I've seen the changes in the train. I think we talked about yeah, that the last, last time we were yeah. on. How he hadn't had a groin injury since changing the way he trained. Uh, Kat Silverman, full props to her for having the story at Engle Mag on the the changes he made with some finished trainers to go from like seventy games missed over three seasons with groin injuries to none since. So I'm not so worried about the physical breaking down. But you're right, like I, like I understand the optics. I understand it looks terrible. I just think that you know, just as we said before, I don't when I see Roberto Luongo with a career nine nineteen and James Reimer at 913. Both tanks sub 900. To me, that tells me that, yeah, okay, the goaltending's part of it. I'm not taking them off the hook completely. But when when two guys with such consistency over their career, especially Lou, like the consistency of his career, um, to take a dip like that at the same time as James did... To me, there had to be something in the water there, right? And that was the defensive environment. And now Reimer's in a better defensive environment. He's got some of the better numbers in the league.
1: Well, so. look, it's similar to that 2017-18, I think, Islanders team, right? Where it's like Thomas Grice and Yaro Halak completely fall off the map. And it's like two goalies. No, with I was like watching an All-Star game. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Halak goes to Boston... Grice gets Barry Trotz. And it's like, oh, both guys are all of a sudden amongst the top five in 10%.
0: That is my ultimate. That actually is like, I used to just say goaltending doesn't exist in a vacuum. Uh, What the environment matters. And that's actually now the perfect, they are the, the textbook example from all-star game type numbers to some of the best goaltending in the league, all with a change of system and a change in sort of focus.
1: But here's drugs. the reason why I brought that up, and I don't want to get you into trouble as a card-carrying member of the goalie. You know, they, they, I'm not trying to take money out of the pockets of these goalies, but what I am saying is that if you're a GM building a team don't and go you acknowledge long-term. this, but even, even short-term, though, realistically, if we're just talking right now about how dependent goalie performance is on the environment around them...
0: I guess it depends on whether you think you can change the environment, right? Like, that's that's the question. So I'll give you the example. Jacob Markstrom, obviously, being here in the Vancouver market and having a weekly you know, paid radio hit on TSN 1040... I look at his game a lot. Um, I get asked about his pending status as an unrestricted free agent a lot. And my answers are the same. Like if I was a GM, I would avoid term on goaltending. In part because it changes so much. Not just can the environment change with personnel in front of them and with coaching staffs as they change, but the game itself. Like Matt Murray won two Stanley Cubs, and when they signed his contract extension, a lot of people were like, Whoa, why didn't you lock him up longer term? Well, it's looking pretty smart now. And I honestly believe, and I've done some film work on this recently and talked to a lot of goalie coaches around the league, this isn't Matt Murray's fault. Like, the game has evolved in a way that goes away from his strength. His ability to stay patient and locked in on shooters and not bite first from a low-wide stance in straight lines, which the Penguins are really good at creating... Um, was exceptional. And it, they won two Stanley Cups that way. Yep. Now, even though I still think the Penguins are pretty good defensively, and Jari's got some of the better expected, say, percentage numbers in the league, and he's outperformed them, but the expected are high. Um the league has just shifted its focus offensively so much. And we're seeing this with some of the public models. Their expected goals aren't yes. matching, yep. right? To me, this is, and I've talked to the teams. I know there are teams like the Washington Capitals who allowed their goalie coach to take look, to have access to clear side analytics and change the way they attack, mm-hmm. to try and create the type of offense that creates goals. Yes. And that involves pass-outs from below the goal line plays across the slot line, involves specific types of traffic, not just crashing net, but managing layered screens, because we can calculate the data now on what is effective for scoring goals. And from a goaltending standpoint, as more and more, I can't remember what the numbers were, and I I haven't figured out the system, to be honest, enough (laughs) to call up the total. But I believe Steve told me something like 1,300 more chances across the slot line, year to year, last season over the year before. So as a goaltender, you have to be able to move laterally. You have to be able to move well laterally. Matt Murray, um, low, wide. What happens when we get low and wide as a goaltender? We get locked in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very hard to move. Uh, Carey Price experimented with skates that a lot of goalies are switching to, but he felt locked in because he felt like the skates were taller, which allows him to get a better edge. But in order to compensate for being taller, Off the ice in his skates, he got lower and wider his stance, and he couldn't move. He became static. He became locked in. You can't play in today's NHL as a goaltender if you are locked in low and wide, as Ian Clark here in Vancouver likes to call it, too low, too wide, too soon. And what Jacob Markstrom, one of his biggest changes, stance adjustment, three stance system, starts, even as a guy who's six 6'7", watch how narrow his stance are when the play is around the perimeter. Go back and compare that to two years ago. He'd be locked into a save execution stance as soon as the puck came over center ice. So changes like that, not every goalie is going to be able to adjust like Jacob has. And so signing a guy back to the original point, you know me, long-winded all over the map, but back to the original point, the game has changed in two years so much that I believe Matt Murray's strength and style now needs to be, the style needs to be adjusted because it's no longer a strength against this type of offense. Yep. I don't think he's a bad goalie, but I think the game has changed so much. And so if you're going to lock a guy in long-term and there's that much volatility, not just when the goaltending, but in the types of chances they face and how can it, it can affect whether they're, whether they're better or poor, more poorly suited to that type of shot. Like, yeah, like I would not go term. And I know they're going to take away my goal of union yeah. card, but a term is the one thing I'd avoid. As far as money and, and hey, we can just go out on the list and find a guy, that's a tougher answer because take a look at the Canucks. Mm. They've, they're kind of locked in on their back end. They could lose of this summer, but uh, Edler's here for a couple of years. Hughes, who has been an absolute freaking delight to watch. Yeah. Um, he's the future. Um, like yeah, Tyler Myers, Myers is, is locked the end of in. Time, yeah. That's not a great defensive environment. No. Jacob Markstrom, when we looked at the goal saved above average by CSA, yep. as we were looking at before, he leads the NHL mm-hmm. um, at over 14. If you're the Canucks and you know his work ethic, you know the confidence he brings to your team. There's a swagger and there's a, there's an attitude. and I mean that in a positive way. And he's liked by his teammates. Uh, maybe not always the most delightful guy for us in the media, but he's, <laughs> he's loved in that room. Um, are you willing to, like you can look at all the numbers you want and, and, and guys that are cheaper and 1B options, and we got Demko and we got to worry about the expansion draft, but are you willing to roll the dice on that as a team that probably isn't going to be able to change your defensive environment significantly in the next two years? Right. And you've got a guy who's outperforming it and has basically since midway through last season when these changes I talked about became really innate to him and comfortable to him. Or are you going to hedge? And, and I don't have the answer. It's a tough spot for them because I look at it and I'm like, yeah, the rest of the league doesn't have these numbers and doesn't appreciate how good he's been, frankly. Mm. So I don't know that if they do decide to lock him in long-term and pay big, are they negotiating against anyone but themselves? I, I don't pretend to have the answers, but I can also see the conundrum. from It's the same situation Winnipeg was in. Yeah. Connor Hellebuck, after all those years of Andre Pavlik.
1: Yeah, but he's so much younger, though. It's such a better bet, I think. Um, what was he like 24 are, when they signed him? 24,
0: 25. Yeah. One good Vesna season, yeah. but but yeah. remember what I said about that season when you adjusted the right, numbers, right, right. he was 13th They're in the league better, yeah. because they were really good at Connor Hellebuck is fantastic. You you give him straight line attacks, and I think he's one of the best in the league. I was worried when they signed him that if the attacks became more lateral, there would be a drop off. There was a drop off last yeah, year, yep. but I watch him now, and see there's where you, you know what you have in him. They believed in the work ethic and the drive. Because the things that I thought were still issues, even as a Vesna finalist, that might be exposed as defense got looser, he's solved. Like he's his his lateral movement, his and the, he's fixed them. He's continued to get better. I think the Canucks see Jacob Markstrom with a similar work ethic and think he can even continue to evolve. So the devil, you know, becomes something you're willing to overpay for. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm not justifying yeah. it, but I can see it from that side. I really do think latching yourself to a goalie, any goalie, I, honestly, um, I would even say this about the Vasilevsky contract, just like acknowledging all of that risk and as we're talking about this market especially this summer I think you know I'm just going to list off names for you because you were oh, kind it's of deep di- yeah deep it's in, beating deep. around it. Holtby, Crawford, Leonard, Markstrom and then you've got all the 1Bs in the amazing defensive environments and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the league views them if they kind of switch teams Halak and Grice, Halak and Hudobin and whether those guys accept like obviously I think each of those guys probably wants to make as much money as they can but like let's say a guy like Jarl Halak Maybe he might take a bit less to stay in Boston, acknowledging that 35 starts behind that Bruins defense is probably pretty sweet compared to like maybe making an extra million or so playing forty-five games for a shitty team. And then you got Pavel Francis, but then you also have all these RFAs that we're gonna get into Alexander Georgiev here in a bit, but that Columbus has both of their goalies as RFAs. Pittsburgh has both of theirs, so obviously you'd have to, you know, either offer sheet those guys or trade some sort of asset to get their rights. But that's like half the league in terms of goalies that conceivably could be had this summer. I mean, as much as you might love a guy like Markstrom, like when there is, it's a supply and demand situation, in my opinion, and it's like it's a, why it's, are you de- it's, a it's a buyer's market. Yeah. It's a
0: buyer's market, and if you're negotiating now on an extension before the market opens. My argument would be you're negotiating against yourself. So right. yeah, I mean, I, I see that side of it, and I, like I said, I acknowledge the other side of it. Why Winnipeg felt they had to get had to lock in Connor, uh, and he's and he's rewarded them. He's been he's been a, he should be a Vesna finalist this year, along with Markstrom. The difference is Hellebuck's being widely recognized and Jacob isn't. Yeah. Um, so I, I get both sides of it. I think the the real answer, Dimitri, is to be able to drill down into these numbers even further, yeah, and understand okay. What is it about the way the Bruins defend? And I mean, we see some of these numbers, and you would hope that these teams are doing this type of diligence, like you know, behind the net to slot one-timers, behind the net clear sight shots, clear sight like I'm I'm scrolling down a list of like forty different types of scoring plays that Clear Sight Analytics identifies. Right. And so if I'm the Canucks with Jacob Markstrom, and I'm giving up, I not pulling it up in front of me right now but say I'm giving up a ton of chance number A and Marky's really good at it and then I look at Halak with the, his numbers and they hardly give up any or they give up a you know half as much but his numbers are terrible well that's probably not going to be a real good fit there are specific types of plays that fit certain types of styles yes. like and so I would hope you know and I and I've heard John Chaka I saw a quote a couple of years ago and I haven't been able I haven't been gotten an interview to be able to ask in person where they said they had identified an aspect of Darcy Kemper's game Is it within the, the numbers six, six or whatever that probably didn't hurt <laughs> and it probably, it probably doesn't oh, look hurt look at doesn't hurt that his environment well Ranta's a little guy but doesn't hurt that his environment's also one of the best in the league in in Darcy Kemper but there was something about them having identified a specific aspect of his numbers that fit their team in terms of what they gave up in system. And I would hope that a lot of teams are looking at that before they make any type of commitment, let alone a big commitment. And I think that's why teams like Vancouver with Markstrom and Winnipeg with Hellebuck, you know, again, it's the devil, you know, we know what our system is. We're not planning on changing it. Travis green's not going anywhere. We can't really change that much of our personnel because of our cap situation. We're kind of locked in outside of TANF, Um, and this guy's outperforming, performing performing the environment we've created here.
1: Um, but look at that change. I think realistically, like, so everyone knows scoring's up, right? And right. say league average, save percentage is decreasing, obviously. Yeah. So we're Histi- like
0: not historically low, but I, I can't,
1: in I, this era, I think for sure.
0: Yeah. But also like, this is the first time this will be, if if it continues first time since like the early eighties that it's gone down in four straight years, yeah. like it's consistently going down now, but
1: there's so much happening to, and, and that was a great point you made about this discussion we're having now about expected goals and actual goals and how there's an imbalance there. Because I think one is players are more skilled than ever. Teams are prioritizing that skill throughout the lineup. You're seeing more teams use four and five forwards on their power play. They're pulling their goalies for the extra attacker earlier. Um, They're not drafting or playing defensive defense. Yeah. Right.
0: Braden Holpe. I remember him telling me uh, Carl Osner is one of his favorite guys. Loved playing behind Carl Osner. Carl Osner can't play in the league anymore. I know. Or doesn't get the opportunity. Definitely wouldn't be a first round pick. Yeah. And that's, and so that, that, that's a massive change right there. The fact that, you know, that, I mean, to me, that's Florida in a nutshell, right? Like their defense is designed to get up ice and win the expected goal percentage, but they're not designed to box out and take away, you know, some of the chances in front. And but I that's what you have.
1: That philosophical also sort of shift, um, even on like a pl- team, but also player level from what we're talking about, how teams are prioritizing quality over quantity more now, how they're looking, because they realize a goalie can probably make a save. If he gets a clean look at it, they're trying to make a move. They're operating from behind the net.
0: They're but, not, they're not what I used to call them the 99 percenters. Yeah. Right. And the coach, the one, I'd, I'd hear this and I don't want to single out any coaches, but I would just roll my eyes. And I know there were goalie coaches that rolled their eyes because they understand this math too. But the, the old just get the puck on that and puck and bodies on that. Like, like, especially like if you're not, if you really aren't taking away the eyes, like all you're doing and Carolina was just famous for this under Bill Peters. Mm. Um, they, their goalies would watch the other end and be like, oh, we're doing is warming that guy up. Like, it's yeah. the 99%ers, the kind that even a beer leaguer stops, and all you do is make him feel good about his game early by throwing it at the net. Like, yeah. pass Let off pads. Yeah. Pass off pads works every once in a while, but if that's your offensive philosophy now to throw it off a pad and crash the back door, um, you're way behind in terms of how to create offense.
1: No, certainly. Certainly. I think it's changed quite a bit, but I also think, and you know, when you talk about uh, CSA sort of like play types, where it's breaking down where the shots are coming from, and I, I'm so fascinated to see because, and speaking of like how the game's changing, we've seen so okay and in basketball there was that shot chart that came out the other day where Kirk Goldsbury showed how much like the shot profiles changed over the past however many years. And it's like all have, sh- all the shots have shifted to certain regions on the court. It's, right? it's around the perimeter, exactly. and right down low. There's no, the mid range, the mid range jumper. That was all I had was a mid range jumper. But can you imagine? It if wouldn't you, even
0: exist if, anymore.
1: If the year before that changes, you sign a guy to a big ticket six-year deal, and then all of a sudden the league starts shifting. You're like, oh crap! You signed deadlift
0: shrimp, yeah, and he was just it, like right? the top of the key. Shot, right? Like, right
1: the key. That was his shot, right? Like right at the tee, and now all of a sudden nobody takes. But look at shot. what we're seeing, in, even in the league now, like. I know it's kind of like a taboo subject, or whatever this, like, whatever you want to call it, the Michigan, the lacrosse goal, but like, guys are constantly trying it now. And I guarantee that we're going to see different shot types like that from wild areas of the ice because guys are t- doing all this stuff in practice. Deception, like up
0: deception man. Yeah. Like, uh, to me, the biggest change, um, In offense, besides teams finally figuring out that crashing that and crashing and banging maybe might not be the best way to to mandate offense, also a hell of a way to get your goalie killed in practice, and we've seen a few of those, so (laughs) personal bugaboo. Um, The deceptive releases. And so so to me, goalies, we were ahead of the curve because we would go into the summers as goaltenders and work with goaltending specialists, position-specific specialists on our technical game. For 15, 20 years, they've been doing this. And the players would be, they'd be working hard, but it was bigger, faster, stronger. Skill development in the summer was non-existent. To me, players have finally cut up to goaltenders where they now go to Daryl Belfry camps. They're working on all the skills that you're talking about. And it's not just the lacrosse goals, because I'm talking to goalies around the league. Like, these kids are learning. It's not just to hide the release. Not just to change the release point and the angle. And they got those are in their arsenal. They are to the point where guys like Daryl Belfry, who is a former goaltender, by the way, I'm not surprised that he's revolutionizing (laughs) this. We tend to be the smart ones. I sit myself in the notable exception, but they know how like they are integrating in their skill development, how goaltenders move biomechanically and anticipation of a release so that they show one thing to get you reacting in a certain way and then deliver another by changing the blade at the last second and they've got you going one way or opening a hole knowing exactly where that hole's going to be and putting it in there yeah and i know a lot of people are like come on it's not at that level but i've seen plays or my, my favorite one is actually dougie hamilton i'm a big fan of uh sucked to see him go down the yep. other day but um, it was it was against Vancouver, and it may have just been where I was sitting here in Vancouver, and it was Ryan Miller who's a really good shot reader, but also a guy who relies a little more on anticipation versus sort of pure mechanics of you know keeping visual connection through a release. Like like his anticipation skills are elite, and Hamilton was coming through this shot, and everything about the release said high blocker, and Miller's already moving to his blocker side, like full shift to his blocker side and it maybe it was just the replay and where I was sitting, but it was just a perfect example. It was a couple of years ago. As the puck is on his stick and coming off, he opens the toe of the blade at the last mm. second. And instead of short side high... Far side over the glove into a pretty much vacated net because Miller was always move, already moving to the blocker, and so it happens. We don't break it down or recognize it uh, in this in you know yeah, sort of in like real time. Yeah. It just looks like a shot
1: a snapshot. Or whatever. Um,
0: that's the level of detail. Breaking it down to frame by frame and seeing it as a level of detail goal have been operating on in terms of improving our biomechanics, our efficiency of movement, our ability to stay on pucks. Like that's been going on for a long time. Now that shooters are doing the same thing, man. Like the add the skill level, the emphasis on offense, the lack of sort of crushing net front defensemen that trend away from that. And then that type of skill and that type of work ethic on, on deception
1: and deceiving goaltenders, man, like, like it ain't getting easier. I'll tell you that much. But don't you think there's also like, this is the last point I'll make in terms of like valuing uh, valuing goalies and, and paying them. And then we can move on and have a conversation about some of the specific guys. But I was looking at it today, and, you know, we talked about um, sort of usage and how everyone knows the league is shifting to more 1A, 1B kind of tandem splits. We're losing the workhorse goalie. It really stuck out to me when I was preparing for this podcast. Though I'm going to read off the league leaders for you right now in terms of usage, and I'm going to give you this list. Carey Price currently is on pace for 66 games played. 66 starts, I'm sorry. That's the league lead. You've got Freddie Anderson at 65, Hellebuck 64, Gibson 62, and that's it above 60. And then you've got Bobrovsky, Davasilevsky, and so on and so forth. Now, my question to you, isn't there some sort of like a sunk cost fallacy or kind of like a a human bias element where if you pay a guy like Price or you pay a Bobrovsky – as the GM, you're telling your coach, listen, we got to make this work. Like we're going to be sending this guy, we're going to get a bang for a buck. So you're going to be going naturally Against. sagging for the rest of the league is acknowledging that we should probably play our guy 45 times. If you're paying carry price, $10 million or whatever, you can't really afford to do that because you probably don't have enough money to get a good backup, There's but that. you also, he's not all of a sudden your highest paid player face of your franchise. You got to get him out there as much as you can. And that's what we know probably not the ideal way to run your business. So I think that also plays into it as well, where why are you paying a guy these premium dollars if you shouldn't be even playing them for more than half of the games? Yeah,
0: that's, I mean, that's, it's a good argument. And I certainly, there's, there's gotta be an aspect of it. And the irony of course, being that by the time guys get to the point where they earn those tickets, like Carrie, um, like Bob, they're older too. Yeah, it's got a lot of mileage on them. Yeah. yeah, so they 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 have they've, they've put a lot of miles
1: on and they've probably from playing forty five <laughs> games.
0: Right, or at least down into the fifty five yeah. range, right? Um Yeah, I mean hey, it's a good argument. Like uh you know, and in in Florida, um I you know, I will uh, admonish myself here. Uh I think we even talked about this. But I was worried about them when we talked about teams that might lose goalies on waivers and a team that should be looking. I didn't think Sam Montembo was maybe ready to be a guy. And I didn't think it was best served. If Bob was going to be rolled out as often as I expected right. to have this young kid who was still waiver exempt, not have him playing a lot of games in the American league. And, and that part I got right. The part I got wrong though, is I thought they needed more help. And Chris Dreger yeah. has been really good for them, which makes what you pay Bob mm. look even more remarkably. Like the contrast there is stunning. Like this, you know, a guy that even me, I've been on the ice with Chris Dreger. Like I shouldn't be overlooking him or diminishing his ability to play in the NHL of anyone. Right. And I did yeah. like I got that wrong and they got it right. But that looks even worse because they had him in there yeah. and they went out and paid $10 million and they've got Spencer Knight who I think is going to be one of these kids that that's the other trend. We're not talking about yeah. Merslekins. These are young kids. This whole wait till they're 25, 26. Like that's getting blown out of the water right now. Right. Vasilevsky, Carter Hart, um, Merslekin. Like, is a
1: bit older, though. No, he was in Europe. He forever. was in Europe for yeah. a
0: few years, yeah. but even there, like, right, 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 You know, like, like. There's, a, but he's twenty. What? He's twenty three or twenty four? Yeah, twenty four. Yeah, so, like, yeah. you know, like the idea that we're gonna sign a kid in Spencer Knight, who I think is gonna be, you know, on that Carter Hart type trajectory to the NHL, and then lock Bob in, like, basically put a yep. ceiling on Spencer um for the next seven years that was one that had me scratching my head as well so yeah i mean listen uh i'm not here i still think bob will get better mm. as, as he adjusts to that environment i hope the environment gets better um but i'm not sitting here pretending it was a great deal for the florida panthers
1: yeah the jujur thing things funny because he's making technically he's making less this season on their cap than scott darling roberto luongo and Sergei Bobrovsky, so for their fourth highest paid goalie is uh, might be their best one right now.
0: Um, hey, and speaking of Luongo, we got to like not to not to turn this into a props for all the goalie coaches in the world session, but right, uh, his brother Leo is their goaltending coach in, in Springfield in the American Hockey League, and um, whether it's Chris Dreger or Sam Montable when he first came up. Uh, the, and an acknowledgement there that I think a lot of people, oh, Roberto Luongo's little brother's got a job in the organization, and maybe dismissive of the work he's done. Yep. Uh, I watched Chris Treger play, and that's a hell of a job, Leo Luongo. So shout out to him.
1: Let's uh, okay. Let's pivot to to Lehner. I want to get into a big thing about him because he was recently featured in um, Thirty One Thoughts, where Elliot Freeman had some interesting quotes from him, and and so it's nothing new that. I think it kind of made some waves where he was basically saying he's not going to take a discount. He wants to get paid for what he thinks he's worth as a goalie. And and I perfectly respect that. I think every player should try to maximize their earning power. But his comments were, I think, fascinating because I don't think he meant to do this, but it kind of tied into this first 30 minutes of discussion that you and I have had where he was talking more about, he's like, people don't realize the performance of goalies is so tied into their environment. And he, and he cites like, what, did John Gibson all of a sudden get bad? And then he talks about how it's like, oh, signing goalies isn't any riskier than signing skaters because those contracts don't work out either. He was making all these points, and I was like, these are great points, which I completely agree with, but they also... Those are the points I would be making if I was in the camp of not paying goalies.
0: Yeah, you know, and listen, I, I, I don't know the context. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't. it's, it's bookmarked. Um, yeah. I haven't had a chance to read this week's 31 yeah. Thoughts, which makes me the only journalist in the history of the world that doesn't read it in the first five minutes. Yep. It's been a busy couple days, so my apologies. But the original comments about him taking less, I think a lot of this has gotten, I think some of it's gotten a little lost. The reason he bristled, I believe at those original comments is the question was centered around taking less because this team had given him a chance because of the mental health Mm -hmm. stuff. And I think he rightfully bristles at the suggestion that he should make less because there's some, some uncertainty because he has a history with mental health and a history with addiction that he's overcome. So if that's what he's railing against, then a hundred percent, but you're right about the other parts of the point. Now, when it comes to guys being able to succeed and outperform environments... Well, and which is why
1: it's ironic because he's the one who has bucked that trend and so that's, far this year. And
0: this is why, like, if I'm paying for a guy this summer, if I'm breaking the rules I just laid down in terms of term, um, Robin Lehner might be that guy. Yeah. Like, you know, I said he's number two in the league on these clear-sight analytic numbers uh, behind Jacob Markstrom in terms of goals saved above average. But more to the point, like Jacob's done it behind over the last two years behind the same team. Robin Lehner went from a defensively friendly environment to a wide open. To- and he's talked to me about and just we had him on the Ingle Radio podcast last week. Fascinating discussion about how, yes, he still continued like the technical. It's not just that the environment was better last year, but there were some things in his game that he tightened up with Mitch Korn. Uh, And and a large part, like uh, it gets overlooked because Mitch is such a big presence in the goalie world. He's the director of goaltending with the Islanders, but Piero Greco as well, the goaltending coach. um, Robin had a lot of great things to say about him and the work they did technically. And he's still trying to get better technically. But in the same breath, he's had to throw a lot of it out the window. Right. Because it's not end zone play. It's not point to point. There's a lot more flow. There's a lot more rush chances. The opportunities, he, opportunities offensively that he faces now in Chicago are a lot more dynamic. And so he's throwing a little caution to the wind. He's come out of that butterfly box, as I call it, and played a more instinctive game. And in his own mind, calculated it. Like not just I'm going to not think about technique, but just like, hey, like I need to be, I need to be a little more unpredictable. Yep. I need to make more. And I had a column on NHL.com about this sort of, you know, the Craig Anderson model, uh, Henrik Lundqvist does a lot of this. And there's a guy who's outperformed his environment for a freaking decade, mm-hmm. like Hall of Fame, slam dunk, Henrik Lundqvist, greatest of all time yep. conversation, half butterfly saves where you only drop one knee and you keep that glove side up. We've seen Laner make more of those. Pad stacks, or yeah. as we call them at Engle, butter stacks. Because you slide across <laughs> yeah. in a butterfly, and then you go pad stack in yeah. a windmill. He's made both. He's made three different varieties of pad stacks this year. He has shown that he can play it either way, good in a good defensive environment. Yeah. So all those questions: What's Halak going to be like? Right. Uh, you know, what's well, what's Houdou going to be like? like? Laner's done it yeah. both ways. Like so on that list of guys, if there's one guy where I'm like, well, I can I can throw anything in front of him, and he's a big dude. Uh, so he's got the size covered. He's a, he's a good skater for his set. Like there's just a lot there outside of shootouts. And he's coming around on those too. And yeah. I kind of joke about that only cause he made fun of himself on it. Um, like that, there's a guy that, yeah, I, 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 I think he can do it anyway, And, you know, there's there's less certainty about that with a lot of the other names on there. I think they could, but I'm not sure. Laner's proven over the last two years. Doesn't matter what you put in front of him, he can make the adjustment.
1: Yeah, the the discrepancy in uh, both quantity and quality of looks he's faced this year, I mean, I think there's no, like, real polar opposite. A, a bigger discrepancy between going from the Barry Trotts mitch corin system to whatever is going on under Jeremy Collin right now in, in, in Chicago. And... He's proven that he can. I mean, his numbers are virtually identical. I think, in fact, like he's on pace to start play the same number of games, forty six. Like his save percentage is a few points down, but if you adjust it for the looks, it's identical almost. He's top five in like every category. It's, it's amazing, and I wonder if, you know, he, be, he should be in the Vesna Convert. What? Like the raw numbers, nine twenty two, might not
0: get him there because people. Yeah, least top five when you
1: adjust it for for be, where the looks are he coming from. he should be in the
0: Vesna conversation. And, 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 and the goal, as I said, the only guy, the only guy, the only guy in double digits, along with Jacob Markstrom, in terms of goals saved above average when you when you account for all the shot quality, courtesy of Clearsight Analytics.
1: Yeah, and I think there was certainly around the league quite a bit of. a uncertainty or sort of skepticism at his numbers last year because of that where he was coming from and so now that he's proved that i'm very curious to see what his market's gonna look like and whether i mean how which where chicago goes with this because they have both him and Corey crawford as impending ufas right now and i'm not sure we rarely see big name goalies you know shift and become a starter for a playoff team at this point of the season but if i was a team that was looking for a goalie and trying to win right now, like, he'd Robin be the number later. one that's yeah. that's available. Like, we, we're ta- hearing about Georgiev, and it's an entirely different scenario as an RFA and a younger goalie that's a bit more unproven. But, man, like, if you could – I don't know who it would be. Maybe the Oilers, like, if, if the Mike Smith – the rails go off that like vegas if flurry keeps struggling i'm not sure but like if you're a fringe playoff team and you could add robin leonard who might be like a top three goalie in the world right now and and a
0: guy who because of the crawford presence because of the job share with grice last year doesn't yeah. have a ton of recent mileage no. you're not getting him more now. i think he's like 29 or something. he's 28 he's yeah. only 28 i sort of that crop like hope he's 30 markstrom's i think a lot of people forget markstrom's 30 as yeah, well so you're lot lot not now. getting him at 26 28 laner's 28 um and You know, I'm with you. I think there might be an adjustment period. He is a bit of a thinker, but like he talked about, like consciously not thinking too much of technique. So I think trade deadline goaltenders, Ryan Miller became sort of the poster boy for why you don't do it. Um, But he checked all the negative boxes that year, never been traded. The system was totally different. Like there are a lot of sort of things you can look at and say, you know, there's sort of a checklist of, is this totally new to him? Is this totally new to him? Is this totally new to him? And if they are like, there's going to be an adjustment period and maybe not enough time between trade deadline and the end of the season to mm-hmm. really get comfortable. That was, that was Miller's case are going from, going from the defensive environment in New York to what he's got in Chicago. Like, I just kind of feel like it would be naive to say he could play anywhere. Um, just that blanket and open-ended a statement, but you kind of feel like compared to the other guys, he'd certainly be the most flexible
1: and take the least
0: time to adjust.
1: Okay, well let's talk about Hopi now. I'm amazed it's actually taking us this long to get into it because I think that is um such an interesting conversation, both thinking ahead and adding him into this class of goalies that'll be available this summer, I think, based on his play, based on Samsonov's play, based on um Washington's financial cap situation They are likely going to walk regardless of what happened just because that's the prudent move and maybe the only possible move based on what he's going to get paid by someone else. But, man, we had this conversation at the start of the year, and we were kind of like, put a pin in it, let's see how this year goes. But I think the play of him compared to Samsonov and the numbers we were looking at before the show – Neither guy certainly had the benefit of the doubt in terms of the system in front of them. Well,
0: Braden Holtby, Braden- we said it—the the worst defensive. Yeah, but Samsonov hasn't in been significantly NHL. better yeah, by, he, by any Samsonhoff means. Samsonov is one percent better. Yeah. The difference would be Braden also facing more of it. He's 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 almost a full point under. He's he's zero point seven two percent below expected. And Samsonov, as I just kind of changed the filters here, is um, you know, he's he, he's, he's one of the best. His, I think he's right. There yeah, with he's like Reimer. He's up there in terms of. I'm gonna blame your internet connection on this one. It's a little slow, but yeah, he's like he's outperforming. As okay, well let me give by you more the- than four percent.
1: But here's the problem: if this was. 33-game sample size, I'd be like, all right, well, I'm willing to overlook it. This is, like, three straight years now if his number is going in the
0: day. Well, I and I honestly think, too, like, let's see what happens in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, because he's one playoff run away from everybody wanting him re-signed, right? Like, he has he has the capability. And there's the part, too, that I, that I wonder about. And I don't have any proof on this one besides just pointing to the Edmonton Oilers for all those years. But, you know, I think a lot of people, I don't know, do you think people would be surprised to know that Braden's got the toughest defensive environment?
1: I think they would, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I think
0: people assume, like we
1: know that Washington scores and they're a little Well, they're a, a good team who wins white. a lot of games and I think people still from like the, there's like that remnants of the Barry Trot system, so people right. still think of that. but like, they haven't like, been. They really no, have been. And, and
0: been. I wonder, and this is where Samsonov is in a better place, maybe. I'm not saying absolutely because this is like, you know, there may be statistics that are just going to absolutely kick me in the nuts on this one and, and show the world how much of an idiot I truly am. But I've always believed believed a little bit, that tough defensive environments become cumulative. Right. The negative effect becomes cumulative. Yes. In other words, if I can't try, if that seam pass is supposed to be taken away by this guy, the and that's Nathan. the system, and it gets through one or two, and I cheat to it, that's on me. Yeah. It gets through seven, eight, nine times in a row, damn right I'm going to cheat to it, because I can no longer trust that guy to get there. Yeah. And as soon as I cheat in this league, if the other guy on the other end of that pass got time and space and he sees me lean, that's where we're at. Like, you lean, you're done. Your short side, shelf, and those are the ones that look stiff. It's funny because the door one that gets through, the one you might, you know, they might say, oh, it wasn't his fault. The short side one because you cheated to the backdoor one is the one that, oh, that's stunk. Right, yeah. um, so I do to a certain extent believe it's cumulative, but let's be honest, maybe this is just me trying to give the benefit of the doubt to a guy who whose game i've liked uh, who, who i've worked with i've been on the ice with him in the summers and who I like personally, so like there's there may be some biases, and I want to give that benefit of the doubt. But Edmonton, to me, is that you know, like how many guys went through there, yeah, and they were it. just yeah, horse crap defensively, and it wore them out. And all of a sudden, they went on a better team. It's like, hey, we got a goaltender yeah. here, right? So I think there might be some of that there. I'd be curious to see. I'd be really curious to see what he'd be like well, in I think a different we'll environment. we we'll
1: see it next year. <laughs> we
0: might see it in the playoffs because, like, let's not forget the year they won the cup. Yeah, like he was out. Yeah, and, and, he Grubauer, took over, and, Grubauer, and Grubauer got, got, got on that or whatever, role. Yeah. But in that transition period, they had a come to Jesus meeting and moment with Barry Trotz where it's like, guys, we're not going to win like this. Yeah. We have to buckle down and bear down defensively. Yeah. And I don't have the numbers from that year, but there was a period there and talking to people on the team and that their numbers back this up where they did tighten up defensively and Braden got on that run. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they do in the playoffs because that's the other question. All these teams that were applauding for expected goal percentages and teams like Florida that are winning this way. Yep. Is, can they do it in the, will, will this translate when when all of a sudden the game changes like vancouver everyone's like hey hey, they could get on a run if they get in if they just get in i'm like hey they're i'm like hey hey they're relying on power play percentage yeah, and there ain't no power smart. plays yeah. in the playoffs
1: well, okay so here's here's the, okay i'm gonna from two different perspectives one okay how long have we been at this first off 45 minutes okay can you look over your shoulder and see if my car has been towed yet no it's still there okay we're good we're good, good, we're good. um Okay, I'll say this. I actually have a soft spot in my heart for Braden Holtby. I think he's been an awesome goalie. there. five or six year run he had, he I think he was one of the top two or three goalies in the world. His playoff resume is unassailable, even beyond the Stanley Cup. Even before that, he was like arguably the one best the, playoff goalie ever. Yeah, up there with two carats. Three straight years now where his numbers have been. There's a red flag. Certainly, Meh. system may be involved. I guess the question for me is: with that same system in place, Ilya Samsonov's clearly been the superior yep. goalie. The dynamics of how this is gonna play in that locker room and how this is gonna work—not for the future, because I think the Caps just won't be able to afford him, even if they wanted to bring him back. I just think he's gonna go somewhere else.
0: Well, don't forget that that they've got Phoenix
1: Copley in the minors
0: too, and I haven't looked. I right. mean, is he? A, I can't remember if he's one of these guys that's UFA or RFA. And I think they like saw him it. a
1: couple of years as like, uh, like yeah. he, hoping that he's gonna be taken. And in, for in all the success
0: around. that Samsonov's having right now, Samsonov,
1: yeah. Um, Copley had good numbers last year for
0: them. Well, right? and Samsonov didn't earn the like this. The only reason he started the season in Washington was because Copley's right. cap. They couldn't afford yeah, Copley's cap hit. Around. He actually outplayed him. But he has the, the pedi- he
1: has the pedigree, right? Like he has the pedigree, him, and there's been
0: a refinement there yep. technically. Um, I remember you
1: talked about his adjustment to North America, right? Oh, Just last like, year was a yeah. disaster. I yeah. couldn't.
0: I, I did video for a consultant that went in there and worked with him uh, in Hershey, and I couldn't believe what I was watching in terms of the looseness of his technical game. And it's come a long way credit to Alex Westland uh, in Hershey and Scott Murray in, in Washington. It's come a long way. And so clearly there's a goaltender there because there's a skill set on top of that. But the tech to me found your, your consistency as a goaltender quite often is tied to technique, but you have to have more than technique to, to be more. He had the more always, but he needed the foundation to be more consistent. And I'd be honest with you when I saw him halfway through last year on video and, and cut the video for this consultant, I was like, Ooh, this is a big time project. So there's two, two, the, the coaches get credit for turning it around that quickly. Even if he wasn't the best guy in the preseason, he's clearly been great since it yep. started. Um, but also the athlete deserves credit. Uh, Braden Holpe, I, the thing that blew me away the first time I was on the ice with him for three days up in Kelowna, his ability to control his body and make conscious changes, like just to like absolutely integrate it and totally change everything at the, it was the best I've ever seen. It would appear without having talked to Scott Murray this year would appear that, that Ilya has got a little bit of that because it's not perfect yet, but the, the the adjustments he's made technically and, and the improvements, I mean, they sh- they're showing
1: themselves in the numbers. So they, they, you, they've they got a goalie there and you're right, maybe. But if you did a blind resume right now, you strip the names, you strip what they've meant their franchise, their playoff success. Just this year's player. You'd be playing, you, Samsonville would be their number one, right?
0: You would assume, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. But again, part of, Part of the, the, you know, there's a lot of things that go into being a number one. Yeah. Um. There's the pressure. There's also the fact that all these things that we just talked about, Samson off working, if he's if he's the workhorse number one or, or even the three out of four number one, yep. the time to work on those things all disappear. Because yep. now you're managing your fatigue, you're managing your rest, you're managing your body, you're not managing your game. It's one of the biggest adjustments goalies go through excuse me, going to be a number one is all of a sudden you lose that time with the goalie coach to make sure you stay on top of your details. We saw here with Markstrom, right? They would, he would be on a roll, but you could see the game start to drop off. And all of a sudden they give, there's a point Nilsson would get a start. He hadn't won in a month. They give him a start, even though they needed to win because they could see diminishing returns in Jacob Markstrom's game. That's a step that Ilya Samsonov probably still has to take. And again, um, you know, the the expected save percentage is about a point higher mm. compared to Holtby, which, you know, you wonder if that's just sample size or do these guys see the kid in net and go, We gotta be a little tighter for him
1: it's probably just sample size. I mean, I would think so. It's like too. under 20 games, probably just maybe just a couple. And games it's just one point, swinging, right? Yeah. The difference
0: between a nine ten and a 900 from, from an expected yeah. standpoint, but that's, you know, Hey, the difference between a nine ten and a 900 and say percentage, you know, <laughs> that's the expected difference between yeah. those two. That's the difference between NHL and AHL for a lot of guys.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll just be, I'll be fascinated to see, I mean, both this summer in terms of, what the market's like for Holtby, whether how much like how much things have changed. If someone pays him based on pedigree as opposed to recent performance, how the Caps approach this come the playoffs, it'll be fascinating. Um, let's quickly rattle through a couple subjects here in the final ten minutes before we get out of here. The Rangers' <laughs> goalies. Yeah. So let's get into the Georgiev sweepstakes because it feels like as we approach in this next month towards the deadline, it's going to be one of the crappiest trade deadlines of all time. I think in terms of the names that are could available, be. it's like, oh my god, Tyler it's a you could swing the race um, with Camps all the salary cap. Tiffoli, yeah, um, but it seems like Georgiev, and I don't know how much of this is just like. Good agent work and getting the name out there, but like it seems like the market and like is gonna be very hot for him, and the price is like escalating by the day it seems like
0: yeah, and it's interesting too because like so I guess my question would be why would you pay that mm. like why are you gonna like the question and it's not the question for me to answer each team that's 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 looking at him would have to answer this like is is Georgiev? he's cost controlled he's young He's shown upside of being a really solid, probably like he's going to fit into that ideal 1B mode. Uh, Maybe he's more than that, a guy that can give you starter-type minutes over short periods. I'm, I'm not sure he's proven anything beyond that in terms of can I be a number one guy. Um, but he's outperformed his environment for three years now. Yeah, um, at times competed with Henrik Lundqvist, who, by the way, is still top ten in the NHL in terms of outperforming his environment. Like all the like the Henrik Lundqvist is done narrative because he's got a nine ten, just ignores that environment yeah. way too much. Like he has, he's he ain't gonna give you the games he used to. But he's still capable of a really high level of play. Certainly, we just all assume he's going to stay in New York for the next this year and the last year of the contract. Well, next the year, so they've got to move. Yeah, Georgie, right? So, so Georgie's outperformed his environment. Um, he's a good. I like uh, that we talked to earlier about elements of the game and the way it's changed. Uh, lateral speed absolutely checks that box. Patience on his skates checks that box kind of reminds me of uc Saros, who incidentally is struggling big time this year but two inches taller um and you know he's playing behind a crappy defensive environment in new york too and he's he's having yep. success so if you're a team aquarium i guess you have to figure like is the cost of acquiring him and getting him cost controlled and young does that outweigh not paying anything and going and grabbing a and a halak yeah. or uh uh, a grice on the open market because to me those are you know maybe Hudobin especially from a size perspective a little smaller at five eleven um those might be your is that those are those fair comparables. I don't know I'd put halak in the same conversation because like, I think his style really fits Boston. Yep. Um but so it, that's the question like, like the what's team, the right? what's 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 the value? Like if you're the Maple Leafs and you know you he's cost controlled and you can keep that price down that increases the value of what you're willing to give up, I would imagine, because cap becomes an issue well, for you. Especially
1: since Freddie Anderson only has one year left or whatever, I right, believe even that, then And if Georgia is who you think he is, he could potentially take over that role down the and road. And
0: even if it's not a, uh, you know, even if it's more in the one eight, like not, you know, we're, does it matter if he doesn't become a 60 games workhorse because we're going away from that anyway? Yeah. And, and again, cheaper. So, yeah, no, I... To me, that's the... I don't have the answers to those questions, but those are the questions you have to ask if you're a team looking at at, at buying in on him. Um, it's To me, it's not so much his upside and his potential. To me, it's... What am I willing to pay for that when I... Compared to what I could get for just signing a UFA like Grice, like Hudobin. I mean, Hudobin's nine... What's he leading the league in save percentage? Last I yeah. 932?
1: Yeah. Yes. Two and a half million, 1B? Like, I got to think a lot of teams are going to like that. But... Yeah, I'd be scared of paying for that, though. But here's what I'll say about Georgiev. And it's really, I think the Rangers are doing a smart job by getting his name out there now and not waiting till the deadline. Because, listen, Lundquist has one more year left at 8.5 cap hit, but yep. I think it's only like 4.5 in real me- dollars. But the problem is, he's not going to w- Like, he wants to t- be there, right? He's
0: a career and ranger. And he's
1: he's he's earned he that. Yes, he right? can earn it and then some. Yes. Both in terms of. What he's meant to that franchise, but also, like, quite literally, with his contract, he got that no move clause, probably took yeah. less money to get it. So yeah. he has earned that. Um, that's one of my biggest when fans are like, all right, wow, I want this player wave. It's like maybe he likes living there and he got that in his contract he's for a reason.
0: He's yeah. the king of New York. Like he built everything around being a part of that, including like you said, probably some give back on the contract to get it. So But if
1: if you're the if you're the Rangers though, like it's funny cuz Shostorkin's the opposite of Samsonov sort of where in his 25 or whatever games the AHL like he's dominated yes. and so he's like you need to carve out some room for him right now, yeah. but at the same time if Lonquist going to be there it's like yeah, it's, it's like it's it's, it's, a, it's like a, it's they circus, almost missed the right?
0: window by a year. Yeah, right. Like if Lundqvist, if this was the final year in his contract, oh, then you, you just ride it out. You just ride it yeah. out, and you keep and you go straight to a Shostorkin. Yeah, because he got yeah. for the most part a young team anyways, yeah. Right. Like obviously they got Panarin and a few older parts, but um, you know they're, they're a team that I would think tr- would trend towards the trend of of tandems. The problem is Lundqvist has the extra year, um, and by all indications he wants to stay there. I mean, yeah. it's interesting to me that. They're going this three-goalie rotation. There's a little part of me that, you know, I, I think they have given him the respect he's earned and deserved. Like I said, one of the all-time greats. Yeah. But at the same time, he's in the process of, like, he's competing with Marc-Andre Fleury for their spot, you know, amongst that they're chasing down the
1: top three in wins. Yep. Um it's like still said, good. Like it's it's like it's not like they're playing out the string here, uh, it's like, uh, oh let's retirement uh, tour. It's like I know, that's it
0: and that's why it drives me nuts when people say, Oh, Henrik Lundqvist is too old, he's got a nine ten, this is the end. I'm like, Oh my god, look at the adjusted yeah. numbers, people. Up until they started this rotation, he was like top five. He was the fifth guy on the CSA list on December 31st because they published that sort of top five, right? He's slipped a little bit here just because the other guys have passed him on the cumulative list, but goals saved above average on CSA. He was fifth when, when the calendar turned until they went to this rotation and now they've paid him the respect of not being the one that goes in the press box because mm-hmm. they say they value his presence in the room and on the bench so they out of just this, show him at the, on the bench without that helmet looking all sexy with that hair yeah and so i mean my wife's happy for it too <laughs> right and a couple of my teammates on my team's wives are happy for it too right so um but at the same time so they've, they've done that right in terms of not putting him up in the press box but at the same time this guy's performing at a top 10 level still uh, yeah he's your franchise icon and he's got a chance to move up an all time list and he's sharing the job. He's getting one on it. Not even one out of every three starts. They gave Georgie back to backs recently against the Islanders, a team he does dominated. Um, like he, he, do you, do you wonder a little bit if they're trying to grease the skids, like trying to don't want, to push you out yeah. here, but let I me mean, know they've asked. Yeah. I know they've asked. Yeah. Right. And he's just politely said, no, he wants to be a part of this. And, and maybe, you know, as they get competitive, because there's, there's aspects to like about this team. Like God, or Timmy Panarin, like, oh my God, he's yep. so good. Yeah. Um, that are encouraging. And, you know, but the longer he's around to see signs, you know, of light at the end of the tunnel, because he's been through a pretty dark tunnel these last couple of years, um, maybe he wants to be a part of it. And and to me, what gets... The, the frustrating part to me, however this works out, maybe he does finish his career somewhere else, but the frustrating part to me is the amount of people that seem to be writing him off at this point because that is absolutely not warranted. Um, you put him on a good team right now and I could see a playoff run, absolutely. As long as... And we talk about those boxes of adjustments. Yep. They're bigger for him because he's been where he has been for as long as he has and understands the system and the personnel as long as he has, as, as crappy as it's been defensively. Right. There's a comfort level there. So, um, you know uh, there would be a bigger adjustment for him but when you watch him play like I, I still think he's capable and maybe I'm fanboying a little bit because I'm a huge fan and he's been good to us yeah uh, as a person over the years at in goal a guy who's answered emails in the past even in the offseason or even during the season Um, so you know maybe 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 that's why I'm I'm such a fanboy <laughs> but I, the numbers are backing it up for me like he's still performing at a, at a high end level
1: yeah it just feels like just because he's like he's been around for so long and where the Rangers are in terms of their timeline as a franchise like it feels like I think I don't want to speak for their fans, but I'm sure they're like more excited these days to see a Shosturkin start than they are a Lundqvist start, right? right? And I guess it's natural, but it's it's you're right. It's the like future. It's, so it's when good. you get to
0: that stage, you're looking for the. Although oh, oh, it
1: has been funny, I, I don't know what Shosturkin has like two, three starts. I think so far it's like in his debut, like literally two minutes, and it's like Nathan McKinnon breakaway, and then he has like second starts, like well, welcome th- to the Rangers. Second second, second game is like 50 shots against, and he's done well in them. But it's like this is gonna be
0: yeah filthiest guy in the league coming in one on one little dangle between the legs. Welcome to the Rangers. Kid. It's good.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. you just
0: yeah. lucky it wasn't a 2 on 0, to be honest, the way they defend.
1: <laughs> um, quick, quick, else vez- we got? quick Vesner update. Ah. Oh are talking to Markstrom for, I get there. Yeah, he's the like, like, like honestly, like,
0: like, like I'm looking at him and I'm like, I, I don't understand, he but, but I, you know, NHL.com, uh, did their halfway through the season list where the, where the staff members, I, yeah, I got to emphasize staff members and not letting myself off the hook here. I don't get a vote. So Markstrom didn't get a single top five vote amongst mm. any NHL.com staff member. I I just saw the PH uh, Professional Hockey Writers Association list for their, their mid-season voting. I don't know how many votes he did get in in their top what was five. Was top three? But he didn't you finish know? in the top three. I think it was. Um, I think it was Hellebuck. Uh, was Laner in there? You're gonna have to Google this while I talk my way through Bishop, this. Bishop maybe. Uh, no, yeah, you know what? It was. I think it was. I don't know the order, but it was Bishop Hellebuck. 'Cause I saw individuals lists and then the total list and so I'm having trouble differentiating who had what, but I know the final three were Bishop, Hellebuck, and Darcy Kemper. Mm. So and Darcy Kemper won on the NHL.com list, and this is no disrespect to Darcy Kemper, but when we talk about environments.
1: Well, we know what's happening here. People are just opening up NHL.com, scrolling by save percentage and picking like the top.
0: Yeah, to and honest. I mean and let's let's be perfectly honest. yeah, it's hella
1: um, Bishop Kemper one two three.
0: Um But let's be honest, did the NHL general managers do much different?
1: Probably not. I mean, yeah, they do. They look at wins. Right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Different category, same, same website. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Um, all right, I think that's, is there any other situations you wanted to get to? I mean, we're at the hour mark here. I think, you know, we could put a pin people in have we'll do this People again, have had but. enough of me. Um, James Reimer is a guy who, there's, there's, I mean, really quickly. Yeah.
0: What, what's interesting about that one is not just from the Florida thing. The numbers were so terrible last year. They, they basically paid to get rid of him yeah. by buying out Darling's contract. Exactly. And now he's having all this success. Um, which i think most people the saw coming right? hurricanes like, but yeah. what's interesting to me is carolina is a team that again you talk about teams that just built a great defense and we'll plug in whoever we want behind you know yep. they, they got to the eastern conference final with, with a mackalane rec- and, and Razzik, yeah. yeah a waiver wire claiming a reclamation project yep. but then they re-upped the reclamation project and what's interesting to me is when you look at the adjusted numbers on clear sight on the goal save side um the reclamation project you know they they let their goalie coach walk in mike bales yep Um, and Marazic is bottom five in the NHL in terms of his performance versus expected, goals saved above average on the clear sight list. And Reimer's near the top. Mm. And I'm all for job shares and everything, but they are still treating that like the guy at the bottom of the league is the number one, and Reimer's getting the second end of the back-to-backs and less starts. It's become more balanced in the last little while. But to me, it's been very interesting for a team that really seems to get how you win in terms of building a good defensive environment and not overpaying for goaltending seems, and I got to think it's probably at the coaching level and there's probably a style element to this and also history. Morazic had a hell of a season last year and deserves some benefit of the doubt. So I don't want to be ignorant of that, but they're kind of teetering towards opposite, opposite ends of the statistical spectrum. And yet the guy at the bottom is getting more. So that's one I'm going to keep an eye on. Um, I do think from a aesthetic for a get analytics, because they say it should be Reimer from an aesthetic standpoint, and this is where coaching staffs make decisions often. There are goals that Reimer gives up that make you to kind of, they always oh, too deep or whatever. Um, they'll just kind of, he'll look a little blockish at times and people deflate. And I said, oh, God, I saw somebody like we need to trade both our goalies and get a like, Hey, Lundqvist in with Carolina would be great. But the interesting thing is the people that, that write about this stuff, Reimer's the one they're they're thrown overboard. Not, yeah. not Mrazic. Peter makes saves with aggression and explosiveness that make you go, wow. Yeah. but the reality is he puts himself in a position where he has to make those saves spectacularly whereas Reimer makes the boring saves easy yeah. and then when he gives one up it, it looks less dynamic yeah. so the eye test versus the analytics on that one Mrazic um, seems to be getting the benefit of the doubt based on the eye test and the numbers say it should be Reimer so I'll, that's one I'll watch closely over the final 30 games especially if those numbers continue to
1: stretch in opposite directions Yeah, Reimer uh, number one goalie on evolving wilds uh, goal season. Above expected, pretty good. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get out of here, Kevin. Plug some stuff. Where can uh, people check out your work, and what are you up to these days?
0: Um, obviously, NHL.com. We have the weekly uh, goaltending column. Uh, I think we're like five, six years in. Massive shout out to my boss Sean Rourke for helping me come up with new ideas because. There aren't many that we haven't touched over the last five years, and for giving me the platform, it's been awesome. Looking forward to doing another playoff project with them, where we'll break down all the uh, playoff starters. Um, but also, uh, if if you found any of this stuff fascinating, make sure you check out In Goal Magazine. That's InGoalMag dot um, We have a new product out. A new we're, we're going the subscription trend. It's called InGoal Premium. And if you know, I think if you're not a goalie, maybe it's not for you. But if you're a goalie. Uh, Young goalie, goalie parent, goalie coach, we've got things in there that'll make you better. I've got drills from NHL goalies uh, on the ice with breakdowns from the coaches and the goalie themselves, what they're looking for in drills. And the coolest thing that we've done is a segment called Pro Reads, um, and that's subscriber only. But I basically sit down and do almost like a goalie coach would with a, with an NHL goalie. We go over saves, hmm. and they walk us through their reads. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking about making one public here just to give people a taste I'll of what yourself. the whole thing looks like. Uh, and I'm definitely going to lead with the Freddie Anderson one because there was a save he made against the Blues earlier this year. And I'm telling you, Dimitri, like I thought I understood goaltending, <laughs> um, not, 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 not cause I'm smart, but because I've talked to these guys for so long and, and tried to pick their brains and be just been a pain in the ass. Every guy comes through town and it's like, I think guys might have clauses about not getting traded to the Pacific division. Cause they don't want to deal with me in Vancouver. <laughs> like I am just asking all these questions and trying to learn as much as I can. Um, but then sitting down and having them walk me through their reads and what they see in real time as the play is coming and they're not they're not bullshitting me looking back on it later and saying oh I could see this guy and I could see that guy because they're they're like I've got this leg dropped and I'm loaded on this leg because I can see this guy here or I've only dropped it halfway because there's a middle net drive and I know I can't make a big push I have to make sure it gets past that middle net drive to the far side guy before I come off like the complexity not just What hand, every guy on the ice, right-handed, left-handed, but usually knows who it is, how they shoot, how they're holding their hands as they load up for a one-timer and how that's going to dictate where the puck's going. It's been fascinating. And the goaltender's willingness to share. Freddie Anderson came into town. We pulled up a chair outside the Leafs locker room after the rest of the team had left. A little folding chair and a folding table. Uh, a couple of video cameras and my laptop. And for 15 minutes, he broke down plays. And so I think that's something that Ingle has that nobody else does. Um, and I think young goalies who are very good technique. We always hear 12 and 3. I have NHL goalies that will say, I go to camp in the summer. Yeah. And these kids move better than I do. No kidding. Like, and, and I've been hearing this since the mid-2000s. 12-year-olds move, but they can't stop the puck when the game starts. I think understanding the way goalies read and see the game, and that's what this is designed to do, will help more of those young goalies get better. So it's kind of, it's been a fun project for me, yeah. and it's been a project that I, I think sets us apart. Nobody else has this. Well, you
1: know what? The the Athletic ran that player poll recently, and obviously you know, players get asked, what do you think about analytics? And all of them are like, oh, it's stupid. It's not for me, blah, blah. I don't even know what they're about. I would think that the goalie position is the one where... There's the most strides to be made, at least if you can communicate it well. Based purely on what you're saying about player tendencies, knowing where teams are looking to attack from, where individual shooters are looking to target on the net, and your own evaluating your performance, where you struggle, where like because I think the goalie coach becomes the filter for
0: sure. But like uh, you know, for example, um, I know uh, Freddie Anderson two years ago targeted low high play and post integration, Mm -hmm. um, and did a lot of work on it and got better at it. And a big part of that was the numbers showed that that was an area where he'd given up more goals, not just than expected, but, you know, out of his season, that's where a lot of them came from. And so if you're a goalie coach, you can say, geez, we're giving up these chances. Also, you're not performing well. Let's take a look. Now let's rewind it. I'm not going to tell you all this necessarily, but I'm going to rewind it and see if there's anything in your play we can improve. Yeah. Um, because there's a reason for it. You're not just like, Hey, here's the newest fad post play reverse pH, you know, active glove, this or that. So I'm going to teach it to you. It's like, no, this is an area where we can measure you need to get, and this is actually what got Velik had into this. Like mm. he used to like to go back and say, I just don't want to go to goalie camp and like do T pushes and butterfly slides. I want to know what my weakness is as a kid. He was doing this. Yeah so that when I go into camp, I can target it and drill down on things that will help me solve this problem in my game. And you're right. They may not want to see all these analytics, right. but with the help of a goalie coach to filter through them and target how to improve, um, they're absolutely taking advantage of it. I think they have I think they appreciate this more than others. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll appreciate the fact that ClearSight says shots are significantly <laughs> overcounted <laughs> by the NHL, and Ross State percentage actually is probably lower than the NHL right. credits it across the board. Yeah. But goalies have always known, they've always talked to me about how stats can't, you know, like environment can't be measured or yeah. not, there's nothing online, you know, there's there's nothing that really measures, location's not enough, there's so many different things that go into it. I think they appreciate the added context mm-hmm. here, but interestingly enough, Robin Lehner in our conversation just, just a week ago on the In Goal Radio podcast, um, the one he looks at, quality starts. Mm. Uh, NHL.com's added one, but they used, un- unfortunately, 900 as the cutoff versus, I think, the other ones are...
1: Like a public average or something.
0: Right? Yeah, nine ten or yeah. but maybe it used to be nine ten. And he used nine ten, right? And to him, the most important thing, because for goaltenders, consistency. Yeah. Right. Roberto Luongo, one of the most consistent guys um, over his entire career up until that last year. Consistency matters for goaltenders, and for Laner, that's the number he's looking yeah. at: not wins, not save percentage. He's because he knows that the environment's different. Yeah. He knows it needs to be adjusted. But what he really cares about is: am I giving my team? Am I consistently above? that threshold
1: of nine ten, and he pays attention to that one. So I thought that
0: was fascinating to hear.
1: Robin Lanner, noted analytics nerd. Um, (laughs) Kevin, this was a blast. I know you're super busy in the spring when you're doing all your playoff previews, but I'm going to bug you to get you back on the show. And we're going to, we're going to deep dive all the, uh, all the 16 goalies. I may
0: be severely deep. We're doing sleep deprived. I'll come to you. And if the Canucks make the playoffs, I'm pretty much screwed, but we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. We just got to do something about the parking. here. (laughs) All (laughs) right, man, take it easy.
1: twitter at dim filipovich and on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey